0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Charts with Dan. I'm a little bit later this week because I was traveling all day yesterday. I was coming back from an event in L.A. And let me tell you, the Wi-Fi on Southwest Airlines makes you long for the high-speed days of dial-up Internet. But they did get me home on time. So I can't complain that much, just had to do a little bit extra work today as well as, you know, kind of take a little bit of a nap. But I'm here with Charts, and we're going to talk about Top Gun Maverick, we're going to talk about Bullet Train, we're going to talk about The Gray Man on Netflix, some interesting numbers to crunch with that. Was it worth that investment? And the movie that actually overtook it in its third week, lots to get to. But before we get to that, I want to thank, as always, my partner here on the show, and we're going to be partners for quite some time, Carbon Health. I love Carbon Health because they have a mission of making healthcare as accessible and affordable to as many people as possible, and they love partnering with channels that are as passionate about what they make as Carbon Health is about their mission. Check out the Carbon Health app now to see if there is a physical location near you. Even if there's not, you can do things like telehealth appointments, which are great if you just don't have the time to make it to a doctor's office or for some reason you're not able to actually physically go in person. It's great to have a medical expert essentially in your pocket at all times. That's what the Carbon Health app does. I want to thank them, as always, for being a partner here on the show. And let's look at the top 10 for this past weekend. The number one movie, I hate to say, is kind of an also-ran, because we're going to pretty much talk about everything else. But Bullet Train spends a second week at number one. A 55.4% drop-off, which isn't terrible. But given the fact that it didn't have an enormous opening, maybe you wish that it would have held a little bit better. But still a $13.4 million second week. we'll see how it legs out from there. But the big story this weekend was Top Gun Maverick. They had uh, a fan appreciation event this weekend. It was back into a lot of theaters. It had some new uh, bonus content for people to enjoy. And it worked because we talked last week about how Top Gun Maverick had fallen out of the top five it jetted back up to number two a very very close race about fifty thousand dollars separating number two and three but top gun maverick is at number two and it's 12th week this movie has been out for three full months and it is number two at the box office a one percent increase over its take last week so one of those cases where a studio re-expanding the movie works out in its favor we've seen it work with everything everywhere all at once earlier this year didn't quite have the same jump back into the top five but it still did increase that audience and this was a big kind of you could almost say a victory lap for top gun maverick because it was announced today that it will be hitting digital next week but you won't be able to get it on a physical blu-ray or 4k disc until november it's kind of a throwback to the old days where you have to wait six months or more to get your hands on a physical copy of a movie that you love but given the that top gun maverick is kind of a throwback anyway i guess that's pretty appropriate one interesting note i mentioned 12 weeks in theaters it's just making its digital debut next week which means that 45 day window was out the window with top gun maverick and looks like it may be with a lot of other films the movie pocketed about 80 million plus dollars that's 80 million dollars and counting after that 45-day window. So it just goes to show you, of course, not every movie is going to be Top Gun Maverick, but there is some money to be made after 45 days, and we've seen certainly Warner Brothers backing off of that a little bit with Elvis not putting it on HBO Max after 45 days as planned. Will we see some backtracking? We saw people boldly pushing forward to a new theatrical window. Maybe we're going to see people hedging their bets back the other way a little bit. Let's look at some numbers for Top Gun this weekend. It was the fourth best. 12th weekend in wide release after Titanic at number one, Home Alone at number two, Avatar at number three, and the original release of E.T. the Extraterrestrial at number five, although we will have more to say about E.T. in just a moment. Of course, these aren't adjusted for inflation. And I have to say, we'll look at the Top Gun Maverick numbers adjusted for inflation in a bit, but I don't do it every single week because sometimes the movie doesn't move that much. And I got several people last week saying like, well, your show's meaningless because you don't adjust numbers for inflation, which is pretty rich considering you know, that's what I do. If you took a shot every time I said adjusted for inflation on this show, you wouldn't make it past four episodes. So it's kind of telling to know who watches the show every week and who's kind of coming back and forth because anybody who accuses me of not putting a a, a gross in context by adjusting it for inflation obviously doesn't watch the show that much because guess what we're going to do right now? We're going to look at the Top Gun gross domestically, and then we're going to adjust it for inflation. First, the unadjusted number. It is sneaking up on Avengers Infinity War. Look at that. About $5 million separates Top Gun Maverick from Avengers Infinity War, so it's very, very likely at this point. We'll see how much of a hit it takes after it goes to digital, but even with that one weekend left before people can watch it outside of the theater, I think it's very likely it makes it up to number six. The next question being, can it break that $700 million barrier? We will see, but looking very likely, Top Gun Maverick will become the sixth highest grossing movie of all time at the domestic box office and now let's adjust those numbers for inflation right now it is at number 35 through a strange quirk you'll have to ask box office mojo how it works through a strange quirk of inflation it has actually already passed avengers infinity war so you have avengers infinity war there at number seven the original Walt Disney animated Sleeping Beauty there at number 36, then Top Gun Maverick at 35 currently, although it is breathing down the neck of the original Disney animated Jungle Book at number 34. And then you see there at number 33, The Dark Knight, which I think it is likely, uh, certainly very within the realm of possibility to pass at $681.2 million. So we are looking at a top 30-ish probably resting final total for Top Gun Maverick if you adjust for inflation. Of course, that's also not a perfect metric. These are all just signposts and indicators to roughly approximate where this movie falls. Listen, it's popular. It's a popular movie that people want to see in numbers that we don't see very often, anytime nowadays, and especially the longevity it's had, the number of weeks it was in the top five, the fact that it's back in the top five this week. We don't see any movie at any budget do it maybe once every 10 years, so even if you want to say, ah, those numbers, they're inflated, blah, 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 the popularity of this movie is off the charts and so it it has really been a a fun thing to follow all year and all summer and it is the box office story of the summer although there are a lot of other ones and we'll do a whole wrap up of the summer in a couple weeks When everything does wrap up. So, again, a great week for Top Gun Maverick. Very fitting to have it go all the way back up to the second spot at the box office. At number three is DC League of Super Pets in its third week with a $7 million gross. It seems destined to doom my perfect top 10 summer movie prediction, as any movie starring Dwayne Johnson is destined to do at number four is Thor 11 Thunder with a 30.2% drop off in its sixth week but it was a very close top five you see a $50,000 difference between Maverick and League of Super Pets about a $10,000 difference which is infinitesimal when you're talking about percentage wise between two movies because at number five was Nope in its fourth week with a 36.9% drop off at $5,366,000 to Thor's $5,377,000. So very close between Jordan Peele and the God of Thunder for numbers four and five there. Looking at the rest of the top 10, Minions, The Rise of Gru, also right behind those other two movies, at $5,002,000 in its seventh week, with a 29.7% drop-off, where The Crawdads Sing continuing to hold pretty well, a 29.5% drop-off in its fifth week, with a total just over $4 million. Bodies, Bodies, Bodies broke into wide release in about 1,200 theaters in its second week, so it had a 1,334% increase over its very small release last weekend, with a 3.2 million dollar total. Not quite the same breakout performance we've seen uh, from movies like Everything Everywhere All at Once. I honestly thought it might play a little bigger, but it hasn't thus far. Elvis still in the top 10 in its seventh week with a 34.5% drop-off and a $2.5 million total. It is now available to rent uh, on demand, and we will see that number shortly when we look at the streaming charts. And then at number 10 is a new entry into the theatrical marketplace called Fall with a $2.5 million debut just inside the top 10. There was another new film that opened in wide release called Mac and Rita, starring Diane Keaton, that had an atrocious debut. It opened in 14th place in 1930 theaters, uh, Jurassic World Dominion had a better per theater average this past weekend than Mac and Rita, so a bit of a misfire there. When we look overall at the box office weekends on our road to recovery, another steep decline. We are essentially completely even With where we were last year at this point in the summer movie season, which is right around the time that the Suicide Squad came out. So, this has been a summer of highs and lows. You can see at many points during the earlier part of the summer, we were well above the 2015 to 2019 average, but August just has had nothing in the tank. Really, a lot of July also didn't have a whole lot in the tank. So, we are right back down to where we were last year. A lot of this year's story has been written in the summer, but I think a lot of it is also going to be written in the fall, and particularly at the end of the year as we see how those movies do. So not a full recovery here at the box office, largely because the bench just isn't as deep as it usually is. When we look at the per theater averages for this past weekend, the number one movie per theater was a documentary called Free Chol Su Lee, which was playing in one theater. It had a $21,000 gross, since it's not really an average, it was just in that one theater. This is a documentary that made its premiere at the Sundance Film Festival earlier this year about the quest to free a Korean American man convicted of murder in the 1970s. At number two from South Korea, Hansan Rising Dragon, which has been on this chart for a couple weeks now, in 24 theaters, drawing just over $3,400 per theater. Another movie playing in just one theater, a documentary called Let the Little Light Shine, about the fight to save a high-performing, predominantly black elementary school in Chicago, was good enough for number three. Bullet Train, the only wide release on the per theater chart this week, just over $3,000 in each of its 4,300 theaters. And then Number five, another film from South Korea called Emergency Declaration, playing in 42 theaters with just over $2,900 per theater. This was a movie based on a true story about a plane in crisis, delayed for a while due to the pandemic, but we're seeing a lot of South Korean films uh, breaking through at the limited release box office. And this has been a great several years, really, for South Korean cinema as it breaks more and more into the mainstream, not just globally, but also here in the United States. Let's look at the movies that were in limited release, so these are movies that were in 1,000 theaters or fewer. At number one is a film from India called Lal Singh Chada, which is a Hindi language remake of Forrest Gump. I'm not not joking, this is a remake of Forrest Gump that comes out of India. It played in 516 theaters. It was a new release this weekend with $1.4 million. So another example, uh, not only of South Korean cinema breaking through this year, Indian cinema has done very very well in limited release. And this is an American IP, but through the lens of another country, this is historical in the way that Forrest Gump was, but to the events that happened in India. So this is kind of, I, I actually may try to see if I could see this. I don't know if I'll be able to see it in a the theater, but I'm sure it'll probably be available at some point this year. I'm just curious about this film in general. At number two is E.T. the Extraterrestrial. We talked about its initial release a few minutes ago. It had a re-release in IMAX this past weekend to celebrate its 40th anniversary anniversary. anniversary. It played in 389 theaters with just over $1 million total. I really meant to go see that this weekend, but I was in LA. I was doing the HCA TV awards and a couple of other things, and I just didn't have the time. I'm going to try to see if it's still playing here locally. I don't think it is. I I may have missed my shot. maybe, Maybe in 10 years, they'll put it out again. Emily the Criminal, starring Aubrey Plaza in 470 theaters, Open to just under $670,000. I honestly wish that it would have opened higher because this is a really, really strong movie. I I heard from a couple people that actually did seek the movie out. And I'm so happy. Some people have said, like, hey, I went to see Fire of Love because you talked about it on your show. Or I went to see Emily the Criminal because you talked about it on your show. That's my favorite thing. And that's why I like to highlight these movies that are in limited release. Because there are some great movies that never quite make wide release that you can either try to find at a theater near you or... ...that you can find when it's available via streaming or rental, etc. See if you can find Emily the Criminal. It's a really, really good movie... At number four is a Japanese film, animated film, called Inuo in 350 theaters, a new release this past weekend, with $190,000 in 350 theaters. This is a film from director Masaki Yuasa. Uh, Reviews are pretty strong on this one, so again, I don't know if I'll be able to see this in a theater, but a movie to put on my list to see this year. And then Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, sadly seeming to end its theatrical run. It is now in only 276 theaters in its eighth week but still bringing in $163,000. Looking at the limited release top 10 grocers for this year, no real change on the chart. We really just kind of have an addition to Marcel Shell with Shoes Ons gross with $5.3 million. Everything else stays in the same place. We're kind of in a lull, but as we get into the fall season and awards season, we're going to see a lot of other movies start popping up on this chart because a lot of them start their whole theatrical run in limited release, and are able to put up some pretty impressive numbers. The summer box office season is winding to a close, believe it or not. And we also didn't really have any change on the domestic summer top 10. Top Gun Maverick remains number one, followed by Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, Jurassic World Dominion, Minions The Rise of Gru, Thor Love and Thunder, Elvis at number six, Lightyear at number seven. Nope, looking to take that number seven spot away from Lightyear. We'll see if it's able to do that. The Black Phone remains at number nine. God, that's an impressive total. 87 $7.7 million. That movie has just sort of played and played. It's now available on Peacock, I believe, if you want to watch it, as well as available for digital rental, etc. And I believe also on physical media. And then Where the Crawdads Sing, another movie that has had a very impressive run, $72.1 million total. I don't know... If either Bullet Train or DC League of Super Pets is going to be able to get it done, maybe Bullet Train will be able to do it. But these were my predictions for the Top 10 Summer Box Office. Right now, I only predicted one movie in the correct spot. Nope. But if it jumps up to number seven, then I will be back to predicting zero movies in the correct spot. And the two movies currently that I predicted as Top 10 Summer Movies, DC League of Super Pets and Bullet Train are going to be very close. I think that one of them is going to be able to overtake where the crawdads sing, but I don't think that they are both going to be able to overtake the black phone. So I'm going to be either 8 out of 10 or 9 out of 10 for the summer. We'll just have to see how things settle out. But uh, my dreams of a perfect season, I believe, have been dashed. Before we move on, I want to thank one of the sponsors for today's show, Upside. From the gas pump to the grocery store to your favorite restaurant, inflation is sending everybody where it hurts, and it really hurts. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for people that buy groceries, eat at restaurants, fill their cars with gas, which is you know pretty much everybody. With every purchase I make using Upside, I'm getting cash back, and this is not one of those too good to good-to-be-true things. I was a little worried about that at first, too. All you have to do is find a business near you that has an Upside offer, go there check in, get your cash back and you can withdraw that money from your upside account anytime you want. And over time that adds up, so I don't feel too bad about getting popcorn and a soda. At the movies. To get started, download the free Upside app, claim an offer for whatever you're getting with Upside, check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit or debit card, and then get paid. Download the free Upside app now and use promo code DanMerle, all one word, to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code DanMerle. And I want to thank Upside for sponsoring today's show. Let's look now outside of the domestic marketplace at the top five international films over the past weekend. This is everything outside of the US and Canada. At number one, still playing in its third week, is Moon Man from China with a $32 million gross. At number two, another film from China called The Fallen Bridge at just over $18 million. Bullet Train is at number three with $17 million, followed by another Chinese film, Warriors of Future, with $12 million. I actually commented on the translation of that title last week, Warriors of Future, and somebody told me that the actual, I think, literal translation is uh, Tomorrow War. But they can't use that uh, in English because we had a Chris Pratt movie last year called The Tomorrow War. So perhaps that is why it's called Warriors of Future. Thank you to the person that pointed that out for me. Minions The Rise of Gru is at number five with a $10.7 million total internationally. Something to note, though, with Minions The Rise of Gru, it was reported this week that it has received a Chinese release date. It will be hitting China this weekend. So, not a lot. This is how it happens with China. They just tell you you're coming out and then you're coming out. Despicable Me 3, which is the last movie featuring the Minions, made over $150 million in China. So, it's possible that there could be a significant amount of money still to be made. When you combine the international market and the domestic market, we get our top five worldwide movies. Moon Man is still number one, but by a much narrower margin $32 million to Bullet Train's $30 million. Bullet Train takes a 51.3% drop. Worldwide in its second week, The Fallen Bridge drops to number three when you factor in all markets around the world. Minions The Rise of Grew goes up to number seven with a 31.6% drop off and a $15.7 million total. And due to its re release here in the United States, as well as its continued success in international markets, Top Gun Maverick returns to the worldwide top five with a 10.9% drop off from last week. a $15.4 million total. That's just a drop in the bucket, though, compared to its one-plus-billion-dollar Worldwide total. Looking at the 2022 domestic box office, Top Gun Maverick remains number one and will likely remain number one with $673.7 million. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness at number two. Jurassic World Dominion at number three. The Batman is at number four, followed by Minions, The Rise of Gru. Thor Love and Thunders at number six. Then Sonic the Hedgehog 2 and Uncharted. Elvis getting very close to passing Uncharted. I would not have called that, honestly, at the beginning of the year, that the Elvis biopic would actually actually do more business than the Tom Holland, Mark Wahlberg video game movie, but this has been a very popular movie, particularly with older audiences. And then Lightyear clinging to that number 10 spot with $118.2 million. If Nope is able to pass it at the box office, then uh, Lightyear will no longer be a top 10 2022 movie. Looking at the box office market share for the year in total, really not much change. Disney Fox picks up one percentage point. Sony loses one percentage point. So Paramount and Universal now with the lion's share of the 2022 box office market, 25% for Universal, 23% for Paramount. Then you have Disney Fox at 19%. And then Sony and Warner Brothers each with 13%. The all other slice, including A24, etc., remains at 7% this is the 2022 worldwide box office as i mentioned top gun maverick 1.37 billion dollars the top grossing movie in the world for 2022. Jurassic World Dominion still trying to creep up toward that $1 billion total. I don't know if it's still got it in the tank, but it's going to be awfully close. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness with a $954.9 million total. Minions The Rise of Gru may still have a lot of rocket fuel, but it's already up to number four, $790.7 million. That takes it past the Batman and drops it to number five worldwide. For the year thor 11 thunder remains at number six followed by the battle at lake Changjin 2 and then the three four hundred million dollar kids fantastic beasts the secrets of dumbledore sonic the hedgehog 2 and uncharted they've been a a little trio for quite some time they're going to get broken up though at some point when we look at the worldwide box office for the previous 365 days so you take today's date you roll it back one calendar year these are the top 10 worldwide box office movies for that year Spider-Man No Way Home, still number one, with a 242-day run on this chart, followed by Top Gun Maverick, 71 days now on the chart. Jurassic World Dominion at number three, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness at number four, The Battle at Lake Chongjin, the first film, at number five. It is tied with No Time to Die for the oldest movie on this chart, with 320 days, so just over a month left. Minions The Rise of Gru rises two spots to number 6, putting it above both No Time to Die and The Batman at the worldwide box office. No Time to Die drops to number 7, The Batman drops to number 8. Thor Love and Thunder remains at number 9 with $720.9 million, and then The Battle at Lake Chongjin 2 at number 10 with $626.5 million. We'll look at the streaming charts in just a moment, but I always like to do a little flashback to a previous weekend in box office history, and we're going back to one of the most momentous years in recent cinema history, certainly a hugely influential year for me because I was 16 years old and had my mind blown several times over back in 1999, looking specifically at August 6th through the 8th, 1999, the 32nd weekend of the year. We talked last week about M. Night Shyamalan's huge opening for Signs. Well, this is where it all started for him, The Sixth Sense. I remember everyone was shocked at how well this movie opened $26.6 million that would go on to have a phenomenal box office run throughout the fall of 1999. But it was locked in close competition with another buzzy horror hit from that year, The Blair Witch Project, in its fourth week with 16.6% drop from the previous weekend and a $24.3 million total. It was still doing major expansion, though, The Blair Witch Project, unfolded slowly around the country at number two in its second week was the richard Gere julia roberts rom-com runaway bride with 20.7 million dollars at number four i think the movie that most people would have would have said would come in number one the thomas crown affair remake of a classic movie starring the then current james bond pierce brosnan that only made 14.6 million dollars to come in fourth place just above Deep Blue Sea in its second week, with a 41.4% drop and an $11.2 million total. But the fun did not stop at the top five that weekend, because if we were to go past the top five, you would find two movies that did not do well at the box office, but would go on to find cult success. In sixth place was the opening of Mystery Men, and in ninth place, ninth place, was The Iron Giant, which some people consider to be one of the best modern animated films. It was a horrible box office flop, and Mystery Men was certainly a disappointment. So it just goes to show you, as I've said many times on the show, the box office isn't everything. Some movies have a very long story, and sometimes that story is written after it leaves theaters so what a crazy weekend six Sense, blair witch project mystery men the iron giant deep blue sea all in theaters plus you throw in runaway bride and the thomas crown affair and the other movies that were still holdovers from the summer Whew, what a year 1990 i mean i could do a whole series here on this show about the week by week the box office of 1999 and the movies that came out because that was an insane year and would continue to be past that summer Well, like so many legacy companies have been trying to do and are perhaps backtracking now, let's move away from the world of theatrical and look at the streaming world. And we will start with what people are watching through the iTunes store. At number one is Elvis. I mentioned earlier Warner Brothers Discovery decided not to release it on HBO Max after 45 days as planned, but it is available for purchase and premium video on demand rental through various different outlets, including iTunes, and it is the number one movie on iTunes. At number two, Minions the Rise of Gru, also available for purchase and premium video on demand. Jurassic World Dominion available for purchase on iTunes at number three, followed by Everything Everywhere All at Once at number four, Gone in the Night at number five, The Black Phone available for purchase on iTunes at number six, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent at number seven, The Northman returns to the list at number eight. At number nine, the old 99-cent special, Charlton Copley playing Ted Kaczynski in a movie called Ted K., available for purchase and 99 cent rental that's likely why it made the top 10 chart and then number 10 also returning to the chart downton abbey a new era available for purchase and rental we'll get to the next chart in just a moment but i also want to thank the other sponsor for today's show athletic greens the makers of ag1 i've been talking about ag1 on the show for quite some time and i started taking it because I am, as I've said before, looking to improve my overall health, particularly my gut health, which is increasingly important as you get older. So what is AG1? Well, with one delicious scoop, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. And it's super simple. I can either put a scoop in a cup of water, mix it into a shake with breakfast. Either way, it is a quick and tasty way for me to start the day off right and to make sure that I'm supporting not only my gut health, but my immune system, my recovery and focus, and so much more. If you don't take a multivitamin or have been trying to figure out which one to take, AG1 is also a great choice because it is full of high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition and to make it easy. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com Dan. Again, that's athleticgreens.com Dan, D-A-N, to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And I want to thank Athletic Greens for sponsoring today's show. Let's take some time to look at Netflix because there was a kind of an upset, really more than kind of an upset, a bit of a Cinderella story. When we look at the Netflix charts, we've talked about The Gray Man, which is a $200 million Netflix investment. Chris Evans, Ryan Gosling, Ana de Armas, huge cast. It was actually bumped down to number two in its third week, and it wasn't even close, by a much lower budget film called Purple Hearts, with 102.5 million hours watched, actually the most watched program hours-wise, which is unusual a lot of times for a movie, but also look at that PFV, a 50.5 PFV, which if you don't know what that means, that's my calculation for potential finished views, so you take the number of hours watched, you divide it by how long the show is or movie is, and you get the number of Netflix users that could potentially have finished viewing it, 50.5, compared to The Gray Man with a PFV of 18.1, with 38.9 million hours watched, and it's not that it's an unusual drop-off for The Gray Man, it's just the fact that it was beaten so handily by a movie that had one-tenth of the buzz, and honestly, probably about one-tenth of the budget. So we're going to look at the numbers around The Gray Man in just a moment. At number three is the Netflix series Keep Breathing with a PFE of 15.9, then two new additions, the Netflix movie Carter at number four with a PFE of 12.2, and the Netflix movie Wedding Season at number five with a PFE of 11.5. Speaking of Uncharted, as we were earlier, it hit Netflix on this week of August 1st through August 7th, which is what we're measuring with a PFV of 10.7 and 20.6 million hours watched. Then at number seven, kind of surprising that it was this low. The Sandman, season one, 69.4 million hours watched, a PFV of 8.68. This was a very buzzy project. And the reason I do the PFV thing is that generally the hours watched on series are so much higher than movies, it's kind of an equalizer. Uh, But even given that, I think this is a pretty low number for something that was as buzzed about as the Sandman. So I think the big thing here is going to be is their longevity. Is it just that the people that wanted to watch the series weren't in a rush to finish it that first weekend and they're maybe taking their time with it. So that's something I'm going to pay attention to with the Sandman is this is a big investment from Netflix. This was a hugely anticipated series. That seems like a low number for me given the anticipation. We'll have to see how it does in the coming weeks. At number 8, Don't Blame Karma, a Netflix original movie with a PFE of 8.66. Then Trainwreck, Woodstock 99, a Netflix docu-series looking at the disastrous Woodstock 99 festival with a PFE of 8.6. So you see there was Sandman, Don't Blame Karma, and Trainwreck, Woodstock 99, PFEs of 8.68, 8.66, and 8.6. Very close there. And then at number 10, The Sea Beast, the Netflix original movie that's done very well, million hours watched, and a PFV of 7.2. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about the Gray Man because there was a lot of buzz, the fact that it was beaten so handedly by Purple Hearts just three weeks into its run. I wanted to look at its performance versus other high-budget and or high-profile projects at Netflix to just see how it's compared both with an hours watched metric and with a PFV metric. So let's look first at pure hours watched You'll see uh, and again this is just going back to last June when Netflix began to provide this data, the most hours watched for a big budget high profile Netflix film. So these are movies with a 50 million plus dollar budget or big stars, you know, obviously Netflix putting a lot into marketing promotion. Red Notice with 328.4 million hours watched through 3 weeks of release, followed very closely by Don't Look Up with 321.5 million hours watched after 3 weeks of release and then you see the gray man there at number 3 but a pretty significant drop off 223.9 million hours watched very close with Ryan Reynolds in the Adam project 209.4 million hours watched. Then we have The Unforgivable at 186.9 million hours, Hustle at 167.8, Senior Year at 142.9, The Harder They Fall, which had a budget around 80 to 90 million dollars. I was actually kind of shocked how high the budget was for that movie, with 111.5 million. Then Spiderhead, another $100 million investment for Netflix with just 83.2 million hours watched through three weeks. A Medea Homecoming, which Tyler Perry signed a huge deal with Netflix, 67 million hours watched through three weeks. Home Team, which was produced through Adam Sandler's company, with 65.2 million. And then I think really the biggest, by far, disappointment on this list, The Bubble, which was Judd Apatow's movie. And it didn't even chart in its third week. So if you're looking at a movie that just didn't pay off compared to the size of the name attached for a Judd Apatow movie, I mean, it didn't even come close to competing with any of this stuff. That's pretty disappointing, but we're looking at well over a billion dollars worth of development here on the screen. I mean, this is what Netflix is putting into their stuff. And Red Notice, really, and Don't Look Up are the two clear front runners here. But let's see what happens to these numbers when we look at it by PFV, so Potential Finished Views. And there's a little bit of a shift in the numbers. So through three weeks, given the hours watched and the length of the movie, 166.7 million Netflix users could potentially have finished viewing Red Notice. 139.8 million users could have watched Don't Look Up. 118.3 million users could have watched the Adam project. So, when you adjust by runtime, the Adam project actually had a fairly substantial amount of higher potential finished views than The Grey Man, which stands at 104.1 PFV after three weeks, just above Sandra Bullock in The Unforgivable, Hustle at 85.2 million senior year at 77.3 million, The Harder They Fall at 48.1 million, Spiderhead at 46.8, Home Team at 39.5 million PFV, followed by Medea Homecoming and again a huge drop off, only 10.7 million viewers worldwide PFV potential finished views for the bubble. So that would have been a flop uh, no matter what. So that's the big question and it's something that people have been asking a lot with the Gray Man is this is a $200 million investment on the part of Netflix and yet you have a movie like Purple Hearts, which has none of the A list stars. Again, I would imagine 10 to 20% of the budget, yet is able to kind of rest the spotlight away from The Gray Man. And it had a huge jump from its second week to its first week. So I think you could say it probably outbuzzed The Gray Man in its second and third week. Obviously, it outdrew The Gray Man in its third week, and this becomes the question when you look at Netflix, is what are people really coming to the service for? Is a $200 million investment in a Russo Brothers movie with Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans equal to whatever they invested in Purple Hearts? Or is it about advertising? You just want to attach these big names to your studio and to your service you want to make it seem like it has this prestige and value but what is that really worth this is what i've always said with streaming in general and honestly a lot of the tech industry is so much of the value of everything is attached to potential well this is what we think it's worth well, this is what it will be worth if our projections hold up but now we are seeing with all of these streaming services the reality of what these things are actually worth. Because over time, you do have to start delivering on those promises. You can't just keep saying potential earnings. You have to actually start bringing in those estimates. And so I think this is going to be a question that all streaming services are going to start asking themselves, which is what investments are worth it for us Obviously, HBO Max, Warner Brothers Discovery have been having those discussions, and we've seen so many projects that are canceled, layoffs happening within the company, and I think that probably every single streaming service is asking themselves the same question. What is actually bringing value to this company, and are there other things out there that we can do for a fraction of the cost that are going to achieve the same purpose, which is to generate things that will keep people signed up, that will keep people subscribed? So this is a very interesting story. I mean, obviously a movie in its second week in release is generally gonna do a little better than a movie in its third week of release, but it's just the size of these two projects and the gap between them that I think is something to note. And I'll be looking very closely at the numbers for Day Shift, which just came out starring Jamie Foxx, another reported $100 million investment for Netflix. How did it do against Purple Hearts? Was it able to dominate it? Or is this much smaller film able to keep pace with movies that cost 10 or more times its budget? Everybody likes to say that they know what's going on, but there's a point where they have to prove it and we are at the prove-it phase for these different streaming services, I'll be very interested to see in a year or even three or four years how many of these different studios and streaming services are still greenlighting $200 million movies and how many of those $200 million movies they're greenlighting and if they're still not putting them in theaters because I think we're going to see a lot give on one or more of those fronts over time. Finally, before we go, let's look at the Nielsen ratings. Now, these are not inclusive of all of the different streaming services, although they keep adding more and more. This is the U.S. only. They're delayed by about a month, and they don't measure viewing on certain devices. So again, this is not a perfect metric, but it gives us kind of a guidepost of where we are. Let's look first at the top 10 most watched streaming movies. This is for the week of July 11th through July 17th. So number one was The Sea Beast on Netflix, followed by Sing 2 on Netflix, another movie that Netflix did not produce but that has generated a massive amount of watch time For them, a licensed movie. Girl in the Picture is at number three, also on Netflix, followed by 12 Strong at number four. The Bob's Burgers movie on Hulu debuts with 7.1 million hours watched, good enough for number five, followed by Persuasion on Netflix, Zombies 3 on Disney Plus, Chips on Netflix. Remember that movie? I sure didn't until I saw it listed. The Man from Toronto on Netflix, and then almost bumped off the list. This movie has been on the list ever since we started doing Nielsen ratings a few months ago in on Disney Plus with 3.6 million hours watch. It's still hanging around though, not quite enough to bump Encanto off the list. That is an example of an original movie that Disney produced that maybe didn't do great at the box office, but has obviously been paying off for them as far as Disney Plus goes with the watch time there. Interesting thing to note though, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, not on that list after I think only two weeks. So you see a movie like Encanto, which is obviously generated month after month, week after week, this huge amount of runtime. We're not seeing the same thing, at least not with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I was surprised that it fell completely out of the top 10 when we look at movies that are being streamed. So not a very long shelf life for that movie in particular, and we'll see how it goes with other Marvel movies in the future. Let's look at the most watched streaming shows as measured by Nielsen, again, for the week of July 11th through July 17th. Stranger Things well into its second volume, dominating the list with 49.1 million hours watched at number one, followed by the terminal list on Amazon. At number three was the debut of Resident Evil on Netflix, another show that did not have a very long shelf life, was not particularly well-received. Again, how much money did Netflix pour into Resident Evil? 14.3 million hours watched. The Boys at number four with 13.8 million hours watched, followed by Alone, which was split over both Netflix and Hulu. NCIS on Netflix is at number six, followed by The Umbrella Academy at number seven. Coco Melon Like a Cockroach never leaves this list at number eight. Grey's Anatomy on Netflix at number nine. And The Flash on Netflix, the first time we've seen this particular show on the charts. I think they probably added some new episodes with 8.8 million hours watched at number 10. So that wraps up the show for this week. Not a whole lot going on in the movie world this upcoming week. We have the third movie in the 365 Days franchise, and the second one this year, I think, the next 365 Days opening on Netflix. Dragon Ball Super Superhero is opening wide. It's been a big few years for anime, so we'll see how that does in wide release. And also Idris Elba in Beast is opening wide this weekend. I'm gonna try to catch that and review it here on the channel later this week. I will also be reviewing the first four episodes of She-Hulk. The embargo drops tomorrow morning, so I'll have a review ready on that for you Uh, my thoughts on those first four episodes the newest big disney plus series and there's a lot of streaming stuff coming up we've got house of the dragon coming up we've got lord of the rings the rings of power we've got andor they're all going to be running like at the same time which is insanity Uh, i also have to still see better call saul i I may do a video for that this weekend so stay tuned because there's a lot of stuff to talk about in the days and weeks and months ahead thank you so much for watching thank you again to my sponsors upside athletic greens and of course my partners at Carbon Health but most of all thank you for spending your time with me i'll be back next week with another look at the box office and i'll be back in between then with so much more until then stay safe and i'll see you next time bye